This is the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. Our goal is to help you become the leader that others love to follow. And we've got an amazing episode uh, with one of my closest friends in the world and truly one of the most creative leaders on planet Earth. He is a pastor, but he's so much more than a pastor. He's an author. He is uh, a creative leader, a genius, uh, creating content, probably the most listened to pastor alive on the planet. And uh, your church is creating the songs that churches are singing around the world. I'm thrilled to have on my good friend, Pastor Stephen Furtick. Thank you. That's a very, very kind introduction. That's a little little on the generous side, but I'll, I'll take it. Well, on, good. on the friendship side, uh, you mean the world to me. And, and uh, when we're finished doing this podcast, we're going to the gym. As you can tell, Pastor Stephen's been spending some time in the gym. Do you feel like that's uh, uh, element of effective leadership is being physically imposing? Because I think many of us are scared of you, intimidated by your biceps. Does <laughs> I, that, does that help you at, day to day? At my age, I'm going to use anything that I've got. And so I'm going to work hard to keep uh, in good shape as long as I can. You should do a whole podcast about, have you done a leadership podcast about fitness? Not about fitness. I'll, hey, if you want to hear the Craig Rochelle bonus leadership podcast, it'll be free. And it'll be, the, all free. it'll be a fitness, <laughs> a fitness edition. Let's, who do we email about that? All right, before you hijack this podcast, <laughs> let's, let's talk about creativity. I want to yeah. talk about creative leadership. And uh, we have a lot of people that um, aren't necessarily Christians, and we're super glad they're part of the community. Um, so this isn't going to be like real directed at spiritual uh, Christianity or anything. But I do want to say that you are a pastor of a church. And one of the th things a lot of people don't know, they do know perhaps that your church puts out um, some of the best and most used worship music on planet Earth today. What some people don't know that I do know is that you are the creative genius behind so much of it. Well, again, and you're, not you're gonna own saying it, that like yes, a friend. You've got, yeah, a, you've got an amazing write, team. I write songs with but the yes, team. Yes, you write Very a lot of the songs. And, and so I want to I want to get inside your mind and I want you to help me to help our listeners become more creative. So let me just dive in and ask you some questions. This is going to be really helpful. Um, let's start here. Uh, some people have misperceptions about how creative people work or think. So like they think, you know, you walk into a room, you come out and you've got three songs written or whatever. Um, what do you think are some of the common misperceptions that people may project onto you as a creative leader? I think it has to do with the direction that inspiration comes from, especially in a spiritual context. You know, it's like it's falling from the sky, a song idea, or if we're writing a talk, or if we're trying to get an idea to inspire people that it's going to fall down. Usually, it feels more like digging it out of the ground, uh, which is usually from within yourself. And the idea of inspiration for me, it's like it comes from, from within, which is a deeper place. So I think the idea of waiting for creative ideas to come down fully fleshed out uh, is what keeps a lot of people from discovering something that's in the dirt. I always use the mental model of mining gold where you're having to kind of get all the, you're having to shake out all the stuff until what's precious remains. That's more of the creative process for me. It's not the idea of waiting for something to come, but it's the idea of chiseling at something until what it, it's what it's supposed to be. And I wonder how many people would be set free knowing that it doesn't come from somewhere else. You know, you usually dig it out from within. So um, let's say someone's writing a um, creative speech to motivate their team or whatever. Are, are you saying that there may be 
hours and hours and hours and hours of hitting a wall before you find that gold? I mean, help, help me see what, what that creative process looks like for you. Well, let's say that you are trying to lead your team and the challenge we face as leaders is finding fresh, fresh language for uh, a familiar concept. Mm -hmm. And we really wanna say the same thing to our team over and over and over again in a fresh way. And it's usually just either changing the angle or personalizing it or finding an updated way to come at that. So I might spend a lot of time finding the thread. And then once I find the thread, within five minutes, I've got it. But it may feel like days or weeks of thinking about it without finding it. So it feels highly unproductive for a little while. It's almost like cracking a safe when, mm -hmm. when you're trying to think creatively. It might take you a long time to, to get in. But once you get in, there's a lot in there. And so for me, once I find, even if I'm preaching or writing a song, once I find a theme or a word or maybe a level of contrast that I want to approach, um, then it's like everything unlocks from there. But to get to that point sometimes requires a whole lot of nothing. I'm not afraid anymore of chasing down a bunch of bad ideas to get to a good one. I hold loosely to them and I just use something as a starting place and then when I find something better, I'm not afraid to let go of what I had before. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us hold too tightly to our first idea, so mm -hmm. we miss something that was better within the first idea. So do you think to be great at being creative, you have to be great at being selective? Selective is one word, yes. I think honest. I think a lot of times the first layer when we're approaching a topic, if I wanna write about uh, motivation or if I wanna write about teamwork, there's what I think I'm supposed to say. And then there's probably something truer beneath the surface, which is a tension. So the first thing I'm looking for when I'm trying to create anything is tension. And there's an old saying, you know, if you want to get their attention, you need attention. And I think a lot of people try to start with a flat, one-dimensional idea rather than looking for attention that's interesting. So my first question anytime I'm creating is, what's attention that I want to enter into that I don't quite know the answer to yet. And then that gives me something that I'm a little bit afraid of, intimidated by. And usually I come to something much more interesting by entering into attention than by just coming at a subject from one side and then imposing all of my ideas on it. That's one thing that keeps me really fresh. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you do an amazing job of that, that you and you, you talked about the honest part. I really think that's key and something I haven't really put language around, but you, um, you will say things that others are even afraid to say. And I think that's what kind of creates the hook. And, and I want to kind of just chase that rabbit for a minute. There's uh, all content's not created equal. We can create content um, or ideas and some may be just communicating, others is creating content that really connects with people mm. emotionally. And they'll say, you know, that, that feeds me, that moves me, that motivates me. Talk to me about what goes on in your mind to create content that really connects deeply with people. I really don't start with what will connect with people, I start with what interests me. So recently I was talking to my team about dreaming. And the idea that I wanted to get across is that uh, we don't follow dreams. As we pursue purpose, dreams follow us because I'm kind of disillusioned, I would say, with this idea of dream whatever you wanna dream and follow your dreams. And I think it sets a lot of people up for failure. And I have a staff that has a lot of people who are just in their first job and I don't want them to live this, this 
stage of their life thinking there's something better out there. So I came upon the idea of the gift of disillusionment, which even with, within that, that phrase is a lot of tension. What do you mean, it gift of disillusionment? Bad. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the opposite of what we think we want, but it's what we really need to become disillusioned with what we think leadership is, for instance, right. or what we think parenthood is, uh, in order to really embrace what it is and to see what it can be. And so what I mean by entering into the tension or being honest or connecting with people is if that doesn't connect first with me, if that doesn't first feel true within me, then I can definitely force my point across and probably get it said. But I've found usually that if there's not, a, if there's not an element of vulnerability to whatever I'm creating, where even as I'm sharing it, I'm risking that you could reject it and, and, and that you could also think that I'm crazy or if there's not a sense in which I'm wondering, is it just me? It doesn't connect as deeply with people. That doesn't mean that I work out all my personal problems in front of people as a leader. I'm not using them for my therapy session, but that, that risk of actually presenting the idea not as I think it should be, but as it is, seems to draw people in. And I found out that if it's true to you and if you're willing to disclose that layer, not the faux vulnerability that we do, you know, as, as a pastor, you might say, I only prayed 30 minutes this morning when, you know, everybody else is going only 30 or something right. like that. You know, I don't mean that layer. I mean, when you really wrestle in front of your team, I think it creates a level of trust from your team that they know, wow, um, it's okay for me to wrestle too. And that encourages them and in a strange way, subversive way, inspires them to know it's okay for them to have their own tensions and wrestling matches. Mm -hmm. So helpful. Let's, let's talk about the process. So maybe you go away with a few of your songwriters, or um, you've got to create some kind of a leadership message. And uh, is there a process that helps you get into creative flow, a rhythm that you go back to? What, what, what does that creative process look like for you? Well, we have like the ABC, so it's always be collecting, always be connecting, always be collaborating. And the third one doesn't rhyme, but it's the best we had. And so the collecting thing is like this. There's nothing worse. I don't care whether you're writing a song or brainstorming for a strategy for business than sitting down and going, what do you want to write about? What do you think we should do? So even if I don't know what the language barrier is on the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, but we call it sucky starts. <laughs> it's like, this is terrible, but it's a start. And so we'll often use this language, not this, but something like and then the rule is show, don't tell. So don't explain the idea. Like, what if we said something in this song about mountains or something about oceans or just how, no, like actually show me, you know, mountains and oceans, da, 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 I don't know, da, 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 da. And you feel so foolish doing it, but by willing, being willing to put something out that someone can actually look at rather than staying inside of yourself in a collaborative environment. I've been in so many songwriting sessions where I watch everybody over in the corner whispering to themselves like they're conjuring something creatively. And I go, why are you in the room together doing this? You could have done this apart. So for me, it's about the trust and the confidence to put something out there, even if you know it's bad, but it's a starting place. So I would say collecting gives you the ability to say, I've got this thing I've been working on, it's not very good, but maybe you have something that you've been working on that's not very good, and maybe you're not very good and my not very good will be not very good and just the perfect way together. And that's where collaboration gets me outside of 
having an idea that stays on my phone for 18 months. And I'm a lot quicker to hit send with a few people that I trust and say, can you take this further? Or at least let me have another human being hear that this exists because maybe they'll see something in it that I don't see. Or maybe they'll tell me it's terrible and shut it down and I won't waste any more time on it. So those are kind of our operating uh, philosophies. So let's say you hit a wall and you can't get any movement. Do you keep pressing? Do you step back? Do you walk away? What do you, what do, you do? It's, it's a matter of both because I think you have to hold the idea very loosely. Sometimes you're in the middle of trying to make one idea work and that idea was only meant to be a stepping stone to another better idea like I mentioned earlier. So pushing through to force the idea through whether it's a good idea or not to me is not endurance. To me that's its, it's, its own form of you know, creative sabotage to be so committed to your original idea. So when you say just push through, I think the idea is there are times where we say, today isn't our day, let's come at it fresh tomorrow. It's the idea of not giving up on creating something great, which for me, if I didn't have the deadline of having to give a talk to a group of people every week, I would probably spend months and months and months trying to perfect something rather than just doing it in its imperfection and finding the strength of that. So I really think it's both. I don't think you should say, do you stop? Do you push through? I think there's an element of letting go and holding to your ideas loosely while insisting on pushing yourself creatively and staying in those awkward moments. How many times have you and I been just on the verge of walking away from an idea when you never know? It's like that, that movie with Tom Hanks cast away and he thinks he's going to die on the island and then I don't know if it was a piece of a porta potty comes floating in and he's able to make a boat, but he kind of says, you never know what the tide's going to bring in, right. you know, just when I was about to give up. And I think creativity is a lot like that. Like just when you're lost in the idea and you can't figure out how to put this thing together, ah, here comes this thing you didn't see or this story you didn't remember or this line or this image. And those things usually show up when you've gotten past the point of thinking, you know, there's some sort of weird surrender that happens regardless of your spiritual belief, anyone who's ever created can attest that there's, there's something that happens when you stop trying to control the process and you've kind of given it over and you are no longer trying to tell the idea what to be, but you're listening rather than imposing your idea on, onto whatever you're trying to do. There's something almost magical that happens at that point. So I think often we have to get past that point of exhaustion and exasperation to find something truly beautiful. Mm -hmm. So you, you talked about the sucky start, which um, as a creative leader, sometimes you have a sucky finish, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or even in your mind, maybe everyone else said, hey, that was good, but it didn't live up to your standards. Talk to me about the emotional end of that. How do you, how do you work through it? Well, the best part about it is since there's no scoreboard on a lot of creative things, I mean, sure, there's downloads or sales or whatever like that, but nobody knows what you meant to do. So, you know, they don't really compare you to the same standard you compare yourself to. Many times I'll speak and get off stage and go, ah, the way I heard it in my head was so much better. Well, right. they don't know that. They didn't hear it in your head. They only heard it coming out of your mouth. So you're good. You have a little grace there. But the second thing is usually I know that every creative failure will be the seed of something special in the future if I will uh, replant it. So I try to take whether it's something that I communicate verbally or a song that I write. And it's been surprising how many times 
an element from the last one that I did will show up in the next one, the next one, and ideas build on themselves. So I kind of believe in creative reincarnation. I believe it'll show up somewhere in the future, even if I invest five hours in this idea and I don't end up giving the talk, or I spend months working on this song and it's never what it would have been. Something in it will be something else, mm -hmm. and I'll see this idea again. And what that sets me free from is from the need to see that immediate outcome or payoff. I can just It invest. wasn't a waste, right. It wasn't a yes, waste. Yeah, and sometimes you have to chase, you have to go in a lot of different directions to end up finding- But it gets one. dark, I'm really hard on myself. You and I yeah. talk so many times about how we thought it was gonna go and mm -hmm. how it went. And I think how you manage that expectation gap has a lot to do with creative sustainability, especially if you need instant validation because a lot of times you're not gonna get it. I mean, I've stood up in front of my team that I lead and I pay these people and given them they're two hours of content. They're supposed to like what you do, yeah, right? Yeah, they're, they're at least supposed to tell <laughs> yeah. me it was good just for job security, but maybe I won't hear anything. Yeah. So I think you have to have a security within yourself to have your validation meters on the inside and not the outside if you're gonna make it. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to dive more into that. So you know, there may be someone listening that says, well, I'm not really, really a creative leader, but I've, I've managed people that are. And creative people, uh, you, you, we have to lead them in a different way it, because their work is, um, is often tied to their identity. It's their, it's their, their art, right. not just the end project. What advice do you have for someone who is um, leading someone that's really creative, maybe facing challenges and wants to help get the most out of them? Well, if it's the idea that they are more internally evaluating, let's take um, something that they're creating for a video or a song or maybe something that's presentation-oriented, and they have a more subjective standard and you have the more objective standard, you're the leader. And you're going, you created this piece, I'm glad you thought it was groundbreaking, nobody watched it or it didn't cost people to take the action we wanted them to take. Then you as the leader are trying to get them to see, hey, the elements of what you created were valuable and I loved how you did this. I think we used it in the wrong context. Anytime I evaluate someone's creativity, I try to break it down into the elements and I try to, not just categorize it as a win or a failure, success or failure, because art's more subjective than that. Right. So when we're trying to impose an objective measure on subjective work, we have to break it way down and go, this was great, that was great. I noticed how you did that because really as creative people, we want you to notice the love we put in it. How did you even think of that? What gave you the idea to that, that, and that? And so I found that when you acknowledge the love that was put into it, a lot of times it makes it easier for them to hear the corrections that need to be made in terms of the format or in terms of maybe did it accomplish the goal. But to really be a fan of what they're doing goes a long way. I mean, if, if you're a fan of what I'm creating and you noticed and you paid attention and you saw that my heart was in it, I'm a lot more open to hear any tweaks or criticism or evaluation. So if you preached a message and I'm your friend and you walk off the stage and I come up to you and say, how'd you feel about that? Worst <laughs> question <laughs> ever. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't you think that's the worst? There's no worst it question. It crushes me. Because you'll say, they'll say, how did you feel about that? And you go, I felt good. And yeah. Should yeah, I, I not? Think, yeah, now, now, now I, should I, I not like I think that it? would be the equivalent of your wife gets dressed up. You know, you're going on a date. She spends an hour getting ready. She comes say, out with a new outfit. How and you do you say, think you look? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. How do you think you look? Right. I don't know. How do you think you look going out to eat by yourself tonight? Because <laughs> that's what's going to happen <laughs> right about now. So I think it's, it's really important to respect, hey, there is an ego involved, whether it's good or bad. 
And until we manage that part of it and acknowledge, hey, I saw what you put into it and I noticed and I paid attention, rather than just wholesale scoring of it was a win or a loss, breaking it down into manageable elements. And you know, if we did this before that, I think the more specific you can be in evaluating creativity, the more helpful it is. Let me run down one more big idea. I hope your answer to this is yes. If it's not, it's gonna be awkward. But do you think that leadership can be very creative? Yes, and I think that creative and leadership are boxes that we don't fully understand. I look at the way that you lead and I see the creativity in the systems of the organization, not in songs that you sit and write. Like I've never heard a song that you've written and I don't think I want to, but you know, I'm trying to crush <laughs> you, your dream. You, you don't want to hear a song. Maybe that you're I disillusioned. You, you don't want me singing one of your songs. But the point yeah. is the creativity that I've seen you implement into leadership, it functions in much the same way, you know, like there's elements of inspiration that you as a leader will get and you go, well, what if we broke it up into three instead of one? Or we're coming at it from this way. So I think we desperately need the merger of those two because if it's creativity and no leadership, we make great stuff. Nobody ever sees it, hears it, experiences it, mm -hmm. and it's important to us. If it's leadership with no creativity, we have great distribution systems with nothing to get out to people of any value. So I really think we need those two to come together more and more. Yeah. Well, I want to say just to you, thank you, first of all, for your friendship. That means the world. And then your creative leadership, it really inspires me and it makes a big difference. If, um, if you've never heard of Pastor Stephen Furtick before, you don't have to be a Christian to admire and learn from his creative leadership. I would recommend you check out all over social media. There's millions of people that follow. Uh, look at his YouTube channel. Pastor Stephen's written books and some of the, uh, I think the number two ranked song on the Christian charts right now is one of the many that you guys have written. So uh, check out Pastor Stephen. Is there anything I didn't ask you want to say? No, but I love this leadership podcast. I'm glad you do it. Thank you for delivering, you know, concise stuff we can take. Many people on our team take this, teach it to our team. So it's multiplied to thousands of people. We appreciate it. Love it. Well, thanks for your time. And uh, if this is helpful to you, it means the world. If you would uh, share this on social media, if you rate or review it, it's actually helpful. And uh, we'll release a brand new teaching the first Thursday of every single month. So we'll see you very soon. And look out for the Craig Rochelle Fitness Leadership Podcast coming it's soon. It's coming soon. Now let's see if you know the closing line. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it right. Uh, be yourself because people would rather follow a leader. A leader that's real than a leader that's always right. A leader that's always real than a leader that's always right. Boom. Thanks again for joining us at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. If you're enjoying learning from Craig on this podcast, you can show your support by subscribing, rating and reviewing on iTunes, and sharing with your friends on social media. If you're looking for the leader guide of this episode, you can go to life.church slash leadership podcast. In that leader guide, you'll find a recap of this episode, discussion questions, and additional resources to hone your leadership skills. Until next time, thank you for joining us at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast.